1: Plushcare.com slash weight loss.
0: You think about the person in your life. When you started, believing you more than anyone, they're the ones that made the sacrifices. When
1: I walk out, my old man's next to me. They're not just looking
0: at you, they're looking at
1: what made you. I'm talking about our fucking game. Talking about us.
0: Welcome listeners to The Extra Inch, my name is Windy and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend Body. Hello Body. Bowling, Windy, good bowling (laughs) And our tactics guy and a future TikTok influencer, it's Nathan A. Clark, hello Nathan (laughs) Yeah, that that might be me, we'll see, we'll see how that goes (laughs) There's a new Extra Inch TikTok account which is just The Extra Inch Uh, We'll see if we stick at it, who knows, been told it's a good idea um, Nathan's in charge. What can possibly go wrong? Uh, there's not a lot to talk about, boys. What are we going to talk about today? Do you want to talk about Telly instead?
1: We can talk about the weather and how um, how Australia on on the, on the verge of doing something quite incredible—a uh, a weather-related victory. Well, yeah, but had it not been for the rain, then they would have smashed up England. It's been quite impressive. You...
0: Just no swing. Mm, I don't think this can be. I don't think we can call this a smashing up.
1: I mean, they're they're gonna. If it had, if the rain hadn't had come, they were gonna chase down an incredible
0: total. Maybe and win the maybe. match. Yeah. Uh, I think um, this is one of the most even Ashes tournaments I've ever seen. To be honest, is it still not over? What it's the still, hell? Not, still not over. <laughs> it's still is not this over. still it's just, going on about this. It's the fifth and oh, final. My days um the boys have been
1: pumped they go- had it not been for the rain in in london then the boys would have got pumped today it's quite incredible
0: <laughs> it's interesting because that's not how the brits see it <laughs> the in- in- english fans see it as we'd have done it if it weren't for the rain <laughs> no nah, no chance um what do you want to talk about nathan uh, have either of you seen oppenheimer or barbie not yet no
2: have you seen both yeah, I've oh. seen both. Not in one day, because that no. would be absurd. Don't do not do that. That's not... That's strange. Don't You're not do that. you be at your best so to appreciate them, I feel. No, definitely. Definitely. Uh, ratings? Uh, yeah. A uh, couple of good films. I, I mean, Oppenheimer was really truly incredible um and barbie was good you know
1: (laughs) i don't get this whole barbie thing like i understand that barbie back in the day was like a big toy but it it disappeared for ages not that i know anything about kids toys but it just disappeared no one was talking about barbie it was all pokemon this pokemon (laughs) that and now the film comes back, and everybody's talking like it's their favorite thing, and they're posing in boxes and that kind of
2: stuff. Well, it's, it's incredible. It's like it's not aimed at kids, right? Because, like you correctly say, I don't think kids are playing Barbie right now. It's aimed at like our okay. generations, and it's a nostalgia thing, and it's aimed like it's it's about. Um, it's a very feminist film. It's about women in modern society, right? So it's not just like a a cartoon for kids. So it's yeah, you're right that it, kids aren't playing with Barbie because it's not really for them. Um, which probably has led to quite a few confused kids in cinemas going, "What the hell am I watching? Why are you <laughs> taking me to this?" What what um what rating is it? It's a twelve A, I think. So it's not okay. like it's adult like heavily in theme. It's uh, well, yeah. <laughs> Know yeah, it's it would be boring for kids rather than like right terrifying, right?
1: Okay, so it's not like a toy story kind no. of thing.
0: I mean, we could just talk about this all pod and I would probably quite enjoy that, but uh, we recorded
2: two podcasts last week because there was so much to cover. and We should have saved it, I reckon. We definitely should have saved it in hindsight, <laughs> but, but nothing's there we go. happening, like, like, not just um uh we we're missing multiple games right um the news has dried up but also mm. all of our like itk people that we know collectively have there's just been there's just been on planes there's something no there's done. something
0: in that though isn't there there, there was some suggestion that the leaks have been squashed that the, the hierarchy of spurs were getting furious with the amount of leaks there were
1: <laughs> No, everybody just realised that all the ITK oh, was nonsense here we go. <laughs> and the ITK doesn't exist. Somebody in this someone on this call, so there's three of us here you can kind of guess which one of us in this call said, oh, something's happening this week blah blah blah, I've had it on a good, good source and I'm still waiting, <laughs> that was like months ago. And all the ITKs were like, tap over this, taps over That is all nonsense and I'm, I'm glad it's almost to prove my point that ITK doesn't exist this is it look around look around nothing is happening because all the ITKs are not doesn't seen. that
0: disprove if, your point if you know the no. ITKs are quiet and there's nothing happening <laughs> Be-
1: well, because huh. they would they would still be creating stuff. But so they've been saying things are happening, things are in in progress, but they can't keep saying that Spurs don't do anything. So they've had they've realized to keep their credibility they've just had to shut up. And I wish they'd just shut up from the start. Spurs destroying ITKs as well as our hopes. Uh
0: this I thought was a very extra inch question. This is from Elliot Levitt who says my father used to be a season ticket holder and his company rented a box at the old White Hart Lane but we moved to the US when I was young so I really appreciate having access to platforms like yours that help me remain connected to football culture keep up the good work thank you Elliot my question relates to my inability to come up with the reasons why someone would become a Tottenham fan these days in recent years supporting Spurs feels like something I have to do purely because caring about the club is so deeply ingrained in my psyche it's like having a UKIP uncle deep down you care about their well-being but there aren't Really, any reasons beside the fact that they are your family? We are the lowest ranked team in the Premier League according to the fan engagement metric on the Fair Game Index, which was just released. Not much better on equality standards. Ticket prices are a joke. We joined the Super League. Joe Lewis is a despicable human being. We have nothing tangible to to be proud of on the pitch. We're willing to to sell Davinson Sanchez to Spartak Moscow, which is abhorrent on multiple levels. And although there are a lot of different ways to look at the Delhi saga, it's hard to find a way that makes me proud of the club. The handling of the Perattachik conviction was laughable, and subsequent director of football searches dragged on into obscurity. Signing quality centre-backs was clearly first or second priority for this transfer window, and now the best-case scenario appears to be getting someone in without any time to integrate before the season starts. I look at a team like Brentford and see kits being released every two seasons to reduce weights, designs with tattoos from fans of the club, promotions to help bee populations, and clothing made with sustainable or recycled materials. They have intelligent recruiting models and obviously outperformed expectation. You can think of numerous reasons why someone would enjoy supporting them even if they aren't a top team. Sorry for the negativity and long with the message but why the fuck would someone ever support Spurs if they weren't raised to?
1: First of all supporting Tottenham it's it's a vocation it's something you're called to do. You can't you can't pick and choose your football club. If you're picking and choosing your football club then your your whole decision is based on faulty grounds. And also, there's also a, a point around here of expectations. This is a, this is a sporting club. This is a football. This is eleven individuals on a pitch up against twenty. I up against nineteen other well-run clubs and it, nothing is guaranteed in life man only one team wins a league every year um, and very few of those win it Man City wins five out of six winning cups is not a God-given right it's something that the club has to get there and there's always moments uh, when you support a club where things don't go right he, he mentioned Brentford Brentford were down in league two man ten years ago eight eight people were going to go watch them, but then they a series of good decisions have led them to a point where where they are now will they stay there I don't know but this is this is what it is supporting a football club there's a very few clubs unless you're a conglomerate like Juventus even they're struggling but Bayern Munich for example Real Madrid Barcelona these clubs consistently achieve that and we're not that we've never been that Tottenham have never been a club that successfully or regularly wins stuff so part of the thing about supporting Tottenham is always you're on that cusp of achieving something most of the times we don't and that's that's life that's life as a Tottenham fan I agree that some of the things he listed there are are bad but are they as abhorrent as some things that perhaps Man United have done Man City have done Chelsea have done in recent times. I don't think so. They got a worse thing than what we've done, but that's what a battery and I don't agree with what a battery I think supporting Tottenham is something that happens to you and you end up supporting them. Um why would ever someone support Spurs if they weren't raised to? Because sometimes clubs call you, and that's what you've got
0: I definitely think that uh is true of the vast majority of our British fans. They have a family connection or There was something that happened in their childhood that led to them supporting Spurs. I don't think that's necessarily true for a lot of our fans overseas, who, they'll they'll all have different reasons and stories, but a lot of them would have literally just picked Spurs. And I suspect that there would have been particular reasons why they picked Spurs. Like, we've heard people say they like the colour of the kit. We've heard people say they like the look of the stadium. We've heard people say... There's a particular player that they've they've grasped hold of and, and didn't want to let go. And it's led to them falling in love with the club. And I think we've had a number of those. We've been very fortunate to have had a number of those kind of players over the last few years. And, and so that's the only thing I can say in response to Elliot's message. And the, the final question, why would someone ever support Spurs? Because we have players that excite and dazzle uh, and make us fun to watch. And hopefully this season we're going to be a really fun to watch team again. I think I feel like that's the direction we're moving towards. And if you're enjoyable to watch, people talk about you, there's a buzz created and as a result, more people will follow. And I suspect that's the only reason that someone would support Spurs because like like Elliot says, there, there are a lot of reasons to pick other teams. There are a lot of more ethical teams. There are a lot of more uh, teams who are doing things more intelligently in the transfer market with their finances. Um, there are underdogs who, who it would be very natural to root for. We don't give you many reasons to root for us as a club. Nathan, any thoughts?
2: Yeah, I, I think um, Barty's spot on about about um, English fans and, and I still think that that applies to a significant number of foreign fans. I think that um, for... Americans especially, but for foreign fans, Spurs are in that middle ground where um, you can pick a big-ish team yeah. um, without picking the obvious picks. So they're the slight sort of indie, cool, big club, right, who who haven't won anything yet. In, actually, we have, but not in a long time, um, but uh, maybe going too soon. And then that victory is sweeter because it feels more like you've earned it, right? That's the appeal. and uh, Yeah but i sympathize with uh with all of the points that elliot brings up yeah so you
1: can't you can't just Choose Spurs and then go. I don't like it anymore. Then you're not a, you're not a true supporter. Then well you're just going to change. Things are tough at the moment. Things are hard. But that's that's how things are when you're when you choose to support a club like Tottenham. It's not going to be plain sailing. It's not going to keep moving along that way. Brentford, Brentford are doing well at the moment. There you can appreciate what they've done and you can be proud of what they've done if you're a Brentford fan. But what you're going to stop supporting Tottenham because they've made a, some bad boardroom decisions and go support Brentford? Then you weren't really supporting Tottenham anyway and yeah so that's what I, I think get... the
0: reality is as well that, that no football fandom is plain sailing there's no you no. can't pick any club and just have it good all the time there's always like one of my best friends is a Brentford fan he is constantly pinching himself he can't believe where they are because for most of his life they've been terrible like Barney said there's been a, a, a poorly run football club in the in the lower end of the football league suddenly they've got a couple of intelligent people in charge and they've they've shot up and completely outperformed expectation and they've now got a lovely new stadium and some great players uh, and lots to enjoy but they've they've done the hard yards they've really earned that success or or success in in air quotes um mm. you know look at man city they they had a really rough ride for a lot of the 90s um yeah relegation uh they've got it good now because they've got all the money and and all the good players seem to head their way but it won't be that way forever it'll 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 turn around again um i, d- I just don't think football's linear or straightforward it's it's a struggle in the bad times and it's it's joyous in the good times and the the the, the good times are all relative i think
1: it's a struggle for every single team that there's it, it, only one team wins. Only one team wins ultimately, and I do agree that there are some things that Spurs have done at the moment which have have made it the match day experience. If you for fans, mm. either in the stadium or at home, I agree there are things there which haven't worked, and we're definitely a club in in trouble and transition. So hopefully, this new manager can turn us around and
0: give us something to to be. Part I really of. enjoy the transition period, though. Do you? Yeah,
1: I'd, I'd like it
0: more if we signed some centre backs. <laughs> <mate. laughs> That's a fair point. That is a fair point. Bye. <laughs> I I kind of enjoy the like oh what we're we going to be projecting forward what we might be I think it's fun it allows you to dream a little
2: I I I genuinely think that that's the best bit I think uh like when you're on the cusp of achieving things it's kind of horrible because it's 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 pressure suddenly there the isn't pressure's it? <laughs> there obviously when you're way down it's miserable but when things are beginning to look up that's yeah. that's when things are the most fun right it's all it all all the joy in sport is about momentum, mm. about which direction you're heading in. Mm. And right now, um, there's there's definitely things to be concerned about, but I'm still definitely more optimistic than pessimistic about where we're going.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so in the email that Elliot wrote, he said, uh, let me find the quote, Joe Lewis is a despicable human being. I know, Nathan, you wanted to talk a little bit about Joe Lewis and his alleged insider trading.
2: Yeah, it's... Um, it's sort of quite a lot to like if you're not familiar with this world, and I'm not really, um, it's it's quite confusing. So I did a Twitter thread breaking down um sort of the main point. So he's been charged with several cases of insider trading. Um now, if you're uh if you have some of the inclinations that I have, um, when you see that a, a billionaire has been charged with a white collar crime, you might go, Oh, well, you know nothing ever happens to um to billionaires that so they have the best lawyers they tie up the courts they they get away free with things and i do think that that is largely true but what you have to understand about insider trading is that it is a crime committed against other billionaires right so um it is essentially a a breach of class solidarity um between the mega wealthy when when you do things like that as a billionaire so like yes i i wouldn't be but more importantly people who have a better understanding of these things wouldn't be totally shocked if he were to the face- even prison time um not to say that, that that's that's definite mm. um so um insider trading is obviously something that is generally done word of mouth right and and uh requires two guilty parties there's no audit um, trail there's there's very little audit trail typically so it's very very hard to prove which means that um they don't even bother trying it to to indict in the vast vast majority of cases they've chosen to indict in this circumstance which suggests that they feel pretty strongly that they have a very good case um and in fact the indictment is published um you can find it online multi-page pdf essentially um, and uh, there is an audit trail. Basically, um, you've got text-based communications between Joe Lewis and the other parties. The other parties, by the way, are like um, friends, employees, specifically his his uh, airplane pilots. Um and his his girlfriend the oh, girlfriend is what it's oh referred God. to, oh, yeah God. who oh. was aged between twenty-three and thirty three. Fucking while disgusting. He was aged between seventy-six and eighty-six and she's like a a Miss Universe contestant. It's just the most like stereotypical billionaire awful stuff that you you would assume. Um but yeah, these are not enormously savvy people that he's tipping off. Um and so they've left a paper trail, it seems, right, from from the evidence collated. They've left paper trails, including one bit where one pilot texts the other and goes, oh, it doesn't text, I think he must use WhatsApp based on what he says. But he's like, the app's encrypted, so they can't, no one will ever be able to read this. And that that quote is in the indictment itself. <laughs> um, so the thing with this is that I've, I've seen this... Um, I've seen this comment go around where it's like, well, this is, this isn't so bad. This is like an act of charity. He's giving people gifts. Like I don't feel like that's a terrible thing. The thing is that he's doing this, um, well, partly to attract a 23 year old girlfriend as a, as a disgusting old man. Um, but also, the, the the pilots one, the one that he gave to the pilots, um, he gave them the tip, uh, allegedly, uh, lent them the money, allegedly, and, and then um, took back what he lent them with zero interest, and they kept the the sort of around $100,000 in, in return on the tips that he gave them. He had the tips based on his own position within the various companies, right? So... He did that in place of arranging a pension scheme for his employees, right, so he's not just doing this out of the goodness of his heart, despite the fact that he's an enormously wealthy person and he could happily afford to pay these people correctly he He's still trying to cheat the system to get out of using his own money so there's no there's no charity here right it's 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 just the most horrendous stuff anyway um Lewis has handed himself in. And his um, lawyer has said the government has made an egregious error in judgment in charging Mr. Lewis, an 86 year old man, of impeccable integrity and <laughs> a prodigious accomplishment. Mr. Lewis has come to the U.S. voluntarily to answer these ill conceived charges and we will defend him vigorously in court. And since then, he has um, began a, a not guilty plea. So they're looking to fight this. So it's very interesting. You've got two parties who feel feel confidently that they can win based on the information available, um, which means that it's going to be a lengthy. case there's going to be um uh yeah it's going to be a lengthy case it might go on for two or three years um and also means that if he is found guilty the charges will be uh be more extreme so might be sort of interesting for for legally minded people to follow along um the week by week I, i don't know how much will actually be reported on a sort of live basis um now, in terms of Spurs, <laughs> um, like I said, he's still a very, very wealthy, wealthy person. So um, there's not really any direct risk to Spurs in terms of us being seized as an asset, in terms of funding drying up, because, again, all the money stays within the club anyway.
0: Why would there be a risk, Nathan? He's not our owner.
2: Well, this is the other thing, is that uh, Lewis and Spurs have distanced <laughs> themselves from one another. It, it happened around a year ago. Um, Which makes you wonder if that they knew that this was coming and they took steps or if it's just by chance. But the thing with this is like so he owns an investment company that owns an investment company that owns Spurs, except maybe not, because in one of the middle steps, that investment company is now owned by the Lewis family, rather than just Joe Lewis. And he might oversee that as a trust that he doesn't necessarily own the trust because the ownership is spread amongst essentially just his family members and, and, and some lawyers. So therefore he's not an owner. And uh you might be tempted to say, <laughs> What? <laughs> but basically the Premier League have accepted that. Um this is this is very relevant because um uh conviction is is grounds under the Premier League's own written rules as disqualification for ownership, is what we saw used in the Abramovich case. Um but the Premier League have come forward and said, Yep he's not the owner that's fine what about board um what's that yeah all, all above, above board. Board. nothing to see here yeah which um i don't think is quite right even as a spurs fan that doesn't seem uh, as convenient perhaps um but that seems a little dodgy in my opinion my non legal opinion um given that the the bit i just mentioned about um moving ownerships around uh, beginning a trust for his family and then still having control over the trust but not ownership of the trust, that sort of stuff, is also part of some of the other charges, that sort of behaviour, moving things into the hands of lawyers. And then... Uh, or, or there's a case where he moved a control over trust which his granddaughter but then continued to clearly act in charge of it and then therefore in practical consideration be considered in charge of something, right? So maybe that could come back around. But again, the Premier League of... Have, have sided with them as it were. Yeah.
0: It's interesting uh, given our previous conversation that the owner of our club has been indicted for ITK. <laughs> hmm. ITK's real, body.
1: It is real, I mean, imagine getting brought down By a beauty queen and two pilots <laughs> It's kind of quite impressive um, The whole thing is just bizarre And it's just, it's just another thing of Why do you support Tottenham Hotspur? Because shit like this happens to us It's it's quite incredible There,
0: there have been a few controversies around Joe Lewis Over the, the many years that uh, we, He's been connected with Spurs um, And Uh in this case, I don't know that he'll be around to to see out the the end results. I, f- I feel like it's a bit like will George R. Martin finish Game of Thrones before no. he dies? He it's won't. Called a Song of Ice and Fire. Oh. Sorry, A Song of Ice and Fire. <laughs> uh, it's shorthand. It's shorthand, right? Okay. Um, uh, as as a book reader, uh, I can say yeah. that. Yeah, um, okay. Uh but yeah, I, I suspect that Nathan's right that this there'll be some wrangling that' will go on for years here because can you, you know if the the ownership of, of Tottenham Hotspur Limited is as complicated as Nathan just described. imagine how complicated everything else is. Imagine the amounts amount of lawyers needed to have a thorough understanding of, of his finances. and then imagine trying to explain those in court documents and to get people, other people to understand them. I mean, this this would be... It's huge, don't get me wrong, but this is a huge, huge case. Um, and you don't often see billionaires taken to court, but it feels too big to be resolved in any serious, sensible amount of time. Um, and, you know, he's a very old man.
2: Uh, next summer, can we be a six-week A Song of Ice and Fire podcast, please?
0: Sure, that sounds great. <laughs> Did you know
1: that Joe Lewis's um, yacht was the first to ever have a, a paddleboard a paddle court built into it? You know wow. Yeah.
0: Club of Firsts. Yeah, yeah, they always said that about us. Um, so, moving on from our non owner, uh, at this point, I'm going to hand over to our partnerships manager. Uh, body. I gave AG1 a try because I like
1: to try and be healthy. When my wife is around, she helps me with this. She can crack the whip, but I'm alone, Windy, and you know what that means?
0: You're paying for spicy Conte content? No, of course
1: not. It means my diet can be a bit more flexible. My plates have a little less green than usual, and perhaps I'm sneaking baked beans into my weekend treat. But my wife knows she's not left me home alone. I'm here with my AG1. Every day, no matter what, I'm whipping it out and giving it a shake. Last Friday, two supporting Spurs mates stayed at mine for the Night. I gave them AG1 in the morning and watched them nick it. They loved it. It tastes so much better than I thought, said one. Oh, that's proper tasting, said the other. With AG1, your health is never flying so Are they
0: direct quotes?
1: Direct quotes. <laughs>
0: AG1 is a foundational nutrition supplement that delivers comprehensive nutrients to support whole body health, and AG1 is raising standard for quality in the supplement category. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com forward slash extra inch. That's drinkag1.com forward slash extra inch. Check it out. Aiden says... I've seen a lot of people drafting first at Evans with midfield threes of Basuma, Madison, and Lasalsa, or in with Ange advocating for Udogi as we're now calling him and Poro as fullbacks potentially together. Does this change how we consider our central midfield position when talking about Sar? Ange mentioned recognizing how the game is often transitional, and you need players who can cover territory and do so intelligently. Instead of looking at someone like Gallagher, does it make more sense to, to look at signing a number six, assuming Hoybier leaves, and utilising Skip or Saar or even Basuma as a box-to-box eight before Bentancourt returns? And similarly, Kieran Pedley says, can Asselso and Madison play together? Um, Bardi, I mean, from what you've seen in pre-season so far, and bearing in mind what Aidan says about Udogi and Porro, Potentially playing as as the fullbacks. Do you think that it's realistic that Basuma, Madison, and Lascello could make up a midfield three?
1: I'm going to be honest, Windy. I don't think we've seen enough Tottenham to, to even start Fair to enough. kind of understand what's going on. We've had 45 minutes of one team, 45 minutes of another team. Um, we played West Ham. We played literal sailors. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. Lion Sailors for all of that shit. I don't know, man. It seems a lot of clubs have played three, four, five games and we haven't. Um, can we play Skip or and Siren a six? Possibly. Basuma's box to box. I think he is kind of box to boxy, isn't he? That's this the kind of player he is. Um, I'm not sure about Basuma, um, Madison and, and Don but I don't mind the look of Basuma, Madison, Lascelles. So I think it's going to get. We're going to be counted upon a lot, and we're going to suffer, especially if we don't have the centre backs in place. But maybe Lascelles Madison go on, and why not? We let's find out. Well, I guess we'll find out when we play. Who play a quite a
0: workman-like midfield, so that'll be a really interesting test. Yeah. Um, Nathan, you and I were on the above average FPL podcast last week, and we spoke a little bit about midfield options. Um, on that appearance, do you like the Celso as the as the sort of shuttling eight? Um,
2: I. There are systems in which I wouldn't mind LaCelso as the shuttling eight. But when you're playing two extremely aggressive uh, fullbacks, um, super high line, um, a number six who maybe profiles as much as a number eight, or, or, you know, out and out forwards everywhere else, basically. Um, I think that that's why we've seen Skip and Sar and a touch of Hoybjerg playing those roles so far. I'm um, not ruling it out, but uh, not looking too likely. I don't think that, that that would be the way to go. I think having a slightly deeper rate, especially on the right-hand side, to compensate for Poro um, makes makes sense. Did you know that those guys have put Richardson in their team?
0: Yes, I did know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Richarlison uh, was our like FBL pick on that show, assuming Kane leaves, because mm-hmm. uh, he's a 7 million midfielder, uh, and it makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah I know I think I think you're both right I think we haven't seen enough yet. I I can definitely foresee Madison and Lo Celso playing together um, in particular circumstances. I'm not sure they would start together necessarily or not start in certain matches but I could imagine if we're chasing a game then Lo Celso coming on and playing as a sort of more risky shuttling eight who can then push forward and create i, I think that would be potentially viable uh, i know nathan you also like the idea of Lacelso on wide right position as cover yeah. for kulisewski sure uh, which i think is interesting the other thing I suppose is worth, that is worth mentioning is that La Celso is still wanted by numerous clubs in Europe. Sure. And if we struggle to sell players, which we do need to do, uh, then maybe he's one that we consider selling, rightly or wrongly. I mean, I would absolutely prefer to keep him, given how he's performed in pre season so far. Seems to have picked up the system quite nicely. But I definitely think that's a possibility, even at this stage, even with him having impressed and and saying some quite nice things about him. Like, we do need to sell some players because we have too many, essentially, for the uh, 25-man squad. And it would be crazy to get into a situation where we don't name players in the squad and then they can't play for half a year. Uh, we can't do that again.
2: You've got to move on. Lloris, Roden, Davinson, Tanganga, <laughs> Regulon, Sessegnong, probably Perisic,
0: um, maybe Hill. And then a midfielder uh, or two. You yeah. Know, and know, and then Hoibier, Domblay, or Ocelso. mm
1: why can't we sell players to Saudi Arabia? Why are we the only club that's unable to do
0: that? Well, is it is it a fix? Is it? A you, fix? You've tied this up perfectly, Bardy. Elliot Sheesby says. That's what I do. <laughs> Elliot Sheesby says. Are we seeing a lack of interest in loaning or buying our players due to the poor playing style we've adopted over the last three or four years? Listening to you all on this pod say how impressed you were with several players highlights to me the narrative that without playing attractive attacking football, you cannot proactively demonstrate the skill sets. As a result of these friendlies, for example, by playing better flowing football, the likes of Divine and Saab may get low moves and we might be able to shift some of the squad. If we still had Conte playing his style, do you think we'd have got less slash the same level of interest? I definitely think this is an interesting talking point. I mean, I don't know if this is necessarily the style of football, but I certainly don't think our players have shown uh, their best over the past few years. Have Chelsea's 15 players that they've sold to various Saudi Arabian clubs uh, 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 on their vest? That's it, right? You know, Chelsea are quoting 50 million for Conor Gallagher and 45 (laughs) million for Trevor Chalabar. Um, And we're apparently considering a bit of under 20 million for Pierre-Emil Hoybier. How Mm. can that be?
2: Well, those are young, up-and-coming, homegrown. They're young, they're English. Yeah, they're young and they're English. Uh well yeah, but we're not we're not accepting that bid. We're gonna look to try and get more than that for Hobierg, right? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why. Um we haven't sold any players to Saudi Arabia. I don't know whether the Spurs have got anything to do with that in terms of any p- potential reluctancy to deal with Saudi Arabia for whatever reason. Um or or it's just sort of a bit of chance. Um whether whether the the political element of the clubs tied to um, Judaism is in any way a factor, be curious. I don't know. I don't know. But I wouldn't be shocked if we did sell a couple of players in that direction this summer.
0: Mm. Bardi, can you think of any reasons why we struggle so much to uh, sell players?
1: Um, Part of the fact that they're not very good and no one wants to buy them. Um, No, not really. I mean, fifteen million for Shopea. Even though I'm not his biggest fan, that's, that seems pretty cheap. No. I yeah, that's seem bit that is a
0: that is a a Spurs type initial offer, a lowball offer. Yeah, I
1: mean, if, if you think Ruben Nevers went for nearly fifty million, um yeah. is Ruben Neves thirty something million pounds better than Shopea? Probably not. <laughs> Absolutely not. not. It, It's bizarre. It's bizarre how we've not been in this and involved because you thought thought Spurs would have loved it. Reguillon would love it out there, but uh, it's just not happening.
0: It's bizarre. Mm. Yeah, strange. Um, I can't think where this question would have come from, but Liam McMurray says, would you prefer a team of seven out of 10 players or one 10 out of 10 player and the rest six out of 10? And is the latter why Spurs always fall short? Eleven, seven out of tens, or ten, six out of tens, and one ten out of ten.
2: I don't know how to wrap my head around this question, man. <laughs> like, I, I get, I obviously I get, you know, it's about Kane, and we're we're not mentioning him by name, and I've already ruined it, but um, it's it's hard to conceptualize like an exactly six out of ten player, um. Uh, an exactly 7 out of 10 player because you know obviously players decrease and increase in form and having uh, better teammates can bring better out of some players or um decrease if the 10 out of 10 player has a always wants to be in the the left channel and then you've got another 7 out of 10 player and he also wants to be there now he can't he's got to go be on outside right right (laughs) all of these things are like these are factors it's very hard to just sort of and it's like Uh, if you're going to play against very defensive teams, you generally, you're going to need some variety of a superstar, whether that is your center forward or is more of a creative midfield is going to unlock it. So, um, I'm sorry, I appreciate the, the thought exercise, but I sort of can't I can't come to terms with it.
1: I think it's it's a really difficult one to answer because like a genuine ten out of ten player, I don't think Kane is like ten out of ten is Messi. Messi yeah. Right. So if you look at what Messi's been struggling with with Argentina, because forget about Barcelona's wrong because he's had Neymar, Busquets mm-hmm. and yesterday the rest of them. So if you look at what he's been able to achieve with Argentina, like it wasn't until that they had two seven seven out of ten, eight out of ten centre backs. And then alongside that, they put a, a goalkeeper who was good and then Alvarez who's good and then Enzo Fernandez and McAllister behind him. It wasn't until he had players who were above six out of 10 that the team actually win something. Yeah. So I, I, I do think overall the it's more important to have players who are better rather than just one superstar. We've had one superstar for a while and we've not done anything under various different managers. We've always fallen short at the end and I think we're better off having a team of maybe not seven, seven seven, seven point five eight out of ten players and that would win us something
0: you know if we're playing football manager then then we definitely go for the team of seven out of ten players because the overall team rating would be higher you'd have 77 rather than what 70 so (laughs) go for that um but i enjoy i do enjoy watching like one absolute star in a team at all time of course i'd like more um yeah, it's an, it's an interesting question, but I'm not sure it quite, like Nathan says, I don't think it quite works in that way. Uh, I, I can't bring myself to believe that Spurs are going to improve after Harry Kane leaves, because I think Harry Kane is such a phenomenal individual, but also is a really good team player. I think he improves any team by being in it, um, although I do take the point that systematically he is less suited in theory, to uh, Apostacoglou's side than, than others. I still think he would score more goals, get more assists than Richardson, for example, is whether you consider the team would as a whole. Um... Uh
1: yeah but if if you think about it think about your dinner window. so you've got you've got like um, a really nice piece of steak like top quality nice piece of Wagyu steak on your, on your plate but then next to it you've got dinosaur potatoes <laughs> and um, happy shopper baked beans and you know really bad vegetables what's the point the rest of it's rubbish you're better off having a nice piece of flat iron some decent chips and some decent veg and the whole meal is better rather than just having something good and then something craps around you just it. reminded
0: me that I'm going to Blacklock on Saturday. Have you been there? No, I haven't. No. Have, you heard, have you heard of it? Have you heard good things? No. No, oh, it. it's it's, uh, it's meant to be good. It's called it's Blacklock London Chop House, and it's um, it's going to be pretty special. I'll give you a review next week. Um, it looks great, Nathan. You were going to talk about periodization.
2: yeah? Um, like obviously, we talked about periodization a lot last season. I think it was one of the major factors in the struggles that we had on a on a week to week basis. Um, my feeling was, as I explained, uh, and I've grown in confidence on this, um, is that. We trained much more towards the sort of endurance end, um, which made a lot of sense in a way because we had an absurdly long season with a World Cup in the middle and we played a game every three days. Um, but in my opinion, we were built into a bunch of uh, well, marathon runners uh, and that body, as you know, those are basically not athletes at all, right? <laughs> um so whereas football not okay, ninety minutes small but but needs more in terms of um explosive athletic um moments of, of battling for the ball and, and sprinting, hard sprinting, um short distance, um high intensity explosive movement stuff. And I felt that we um we came up short last season in in terms of our ability to uh, we'll pr- uh, it li- very much limited our ability to press the opposition high to compete for loose balls in midfield um, and to keep our own counterattacks alive, right? Anyway, whatever, last season. Whereas this season, um, again, I, I want to make clear that I'm not an expert in imperialisation, in but I know a little bit, right? This season, uh, what we're hearing is um, the opposite extreme almost where, um, you know, you turn up... For training, you do you you do your warm-up, you're stretching and you warm up, you loosen up, you do your, your your prehab stuff, and then you do a hard sixty minutes to simulate a game. Um, and that's it, you're done, and you go home. Um obviously we were meant to have more pre-season games than we've had. So in place of pre-season games, um and has been running double sessions, you do an hour in the morning, you do an hour in the evening. Um, but yeah, I think it's interesting that, that we're going from one extreme to the opposite extreme. Uh, obviously, we have still, um, he has still done the running lengths at the end after a game, especially for those who, who um, well, everyone, because no one played 90 minutes, right? Because we've been doing 45 minute segments, but especially those who aren't even seeing the pitch. Doing doing the lengths, so those haven't disappeared. But I think that they are going for less time, <laughs> less lengths. So they're just they're getting a certain number done, and then you're done. Rather than this sort of death march that we saw in pre season last year. um Yeah, i and and again, it kind of makes sense because this season we're not competing in Europe. We've got fewer games, playing once a week. Um, we're playing a high pressing, intense play style. We're going to try and keep the ball in play and um uh body our opponents obviously these things are always weighed up and down like right? you're always giving and taking with with how you balance these things out so there's a risk obviously that we might tire out towards the end of games tire out towards the end of the season whereas last time out we um we had a whole series of comebacks because we were still marathoning about a jogging pace when the opposition had spent themselves at 85 minutes. Right. Um, so just things to look out for this season. Um, I have a slight concern that, um, it's a little too far towards the opposite extreme maybe not for this season but maybe once we're back in europe um that might be a tough balance it might have to slightly tweak things but again it's hard to know exactly what's going on in terms of uh, the work that we're doing you know we've obviously we brought in um alex alex doyle to be our um uh, psych expert uh, we've got chris as, as our coaching expert in the extra inch extended universal obviously chris will, will will know a bit about uh this stuff more than me um but if there is someone out there who uh considers themselves an expert in imperialization it'd be really good for you to get in touch um so that we we would have you to reference in these cases um so yeah if, if that's you uh podcast at the extra please.
0: And I think we're going to leave the pod there primarily because I just looked down at my phone and Australia are 282 for seven, meaning you need just three more wickets to uh, to tie the series. Uh, and I need to go and see the ending. I, I can't leave it like that. Um, to be honest, I think we've, we've, we've just about done all we can to cover the Spurs content this week anyway. Let's hope this actually something to talk about next week. You have been listening to The Extra Inch with me, Windy, my sidekick and best friend, Barney, and our tactics guy, Nathan Clark. If you like this, there's plenty more at patreon.com forward slash Production is by Nathan A. Clarke. Our logo, artwork and website are designed by Trayton Miller. Our music is by David Lindmer. You can find him on Instagram at David Lindmer. Do check him out, he's great. Great, great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us at podcast at uk. Subscribe, leave us a rating and a review. And most importantly, be sure to tell all of your Spurs friends. Shout out to the x we love every single last one of you. And, of course, come on your spurs.